Well, hello and welcome to the Kindred Church podcast. It is good to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And uh, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you can tell this is a little bit different format than our typical sermon series from our Sunday morning worship uh, services that we normally post here. We, if you haven't heard the news, we are in the midst of a move. We are changing locations. The AMC Movie Theater, where we used to have Sunday morning worship, uh, went out of business, unfortunately. And so we are moving over to Lions Farm Elementary School in Durham. And as a result, we are not having in-person worship in November while we make preparations to begin uh, worship at Lions Farm on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We'll begin that December 3rd and continue our weekly schedule from there. And uh, over the last three weeks on this podcast, if you've been following along, you remember that we've posted a series of conversations on the topic of change, and we hope that those were uh, helpful and and informative for you. Today, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and today we're going to talk about God's grace, and we're going to talk about how the experience of addiction, and, and in particular, addiction recovery, can help all of us to better understand God's grace. I dare say that all of us listening uh, have personal experience with addiction ourselves, or certainly someone uh, many of us would say uh, that we love has experience with addiction recovery as well. So there's a a lot to be learned here for uh, all of us. Uh, Before we dive into that conversation, a couple of quick updates for you. We are making great progress in our preparations at Lions Farm Elementary As we try to keep you updated throughout this month of November, uh, we have so far spent three Sunday mornings in this space now, gathering with staff and our volunteers, getting ready, figuring out our setup there, our cleanup, our storage, uh, all these little details that just have to be figured out before we can have public worship, like where are the bathrooms? Uh, How do we turn the lights on? Who has the key to unlock the building? And and other things that uh, are a bit mundane, but again, very, very important. Uh, You can check out our Instagram profile file or our Facebook page to see some pictures that we've been posting about our progress there. But uh, we're, we're very, very excited. And now we're just one week away from our launch. And we hope to see all of you at 10 a.m. on Sunday, December 3rd at Lions Farm Elementary. We, of course, have lots of other things going on in the life of our church. So I'd encourage you to click the newsletter button that you see in the podcast description here. And that will keep you up to speed on all the ways that you can stay engaged with us and keep growing in your faith with us here at Kindred Church. Uh, Well, with those preliminaries out of the way, let's jump into our topic of grace and addiction. And uh, here to help me discuss this, we've got Leanne McGregor, who is our Kindred Care Team leader. Uh, If you don't know Leanne or or don't know her credentials, uh, she she has a master's in pastoral care from Fordham University. She's a trained Stephen minister. And Leanne also has many years of experience in the addiction treatment field, which is especially pertinent for our discussion. Discussion today. So, Leanne, welcome back to the Kindred Church podcast. Good to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, well, I wondered, Leanne, if if uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing to kind of start us off. Uh, I'm curious about how you got into the addiction treatment field and and what that experience was like for you. Sure. Well, it's uh, it's something that's very personal to me. Um, when I was in my early 30s, I hit a wall and uh, no one saw it coming. I didn't see it coming. And yet there it was. And um, it sent me into a real tailspin. I had always been someone uh, very reliable, very conscientious. 
I, um, I was a good daughter. I was a good wife. I was a, a good employee. And uh, I just um, hit a bottom and sort of ceased to be the person I had always been. And part of this bottom uh, included substance abuse. And uh, I went on a three to four year journey of absolute um, despair and um, abusing drugs, uh, distancing myself from my family, from my friend network, from my church, from my faith. And it was um, a very difficult time for me, a time that I didn't really understand. I didn't understand what had happened to me. I didn't understand why I had turned into a person I didn't even recognize anymore. But even though I had um, some real concerns about the choices I was making, I, I was addicted. And um, a lot of the choices were happening pretty much without my permission. And eventually, I was offered an opportunity to go back to school and to do something I had always wanted to do. And I knew that if I was going to take advantage of this opportunity, I had to get myself sorted out. And so I um, applied for admission to an addiction treatment program. Uh, there was a six-month waiting list, and I got through that period of time by attending Narcotics Anonymous meetings, sometimes twice a day. And um, I went to treatment. I spent six weeks at treatment. And two days after I got out of treatment, I, I was back in school. Um, I'm, I don't recommend that necessarily, but but that's that's what worked for me. I was so highly motivated to get my life on a better track. Uh, school motivated me to do that. And so that's that's the, the direction it went in. Um, that's 33 years ago now. And so I'm I'm in long-term recovery. I still talk about myself as a person in recovery. Um, because as those years have gone by, I've come to realize that there's always something that I need to recover from. Mm. Sometimes it's a bad attitude. Sometimes it's, um, you know, obsessive worry. Sometimes it's laziness. <laughs> but it, it, I see myself as an onion and I just keep peeling back the layers. And what I learned in the early stages of my recovery uh, incredibly important lessons that really apply to all of our lives. Um, that has sustained me, that and my faith, which I did return to eventually. Um, those things have, have sustained me and given me the tools to lead, you know, what I hope is a pretty productive life. So that's my story. Yeah, and well, and as you, a result uh... of that, I, I eventually became uh, an addiction treatment counselor. And uh, before I left Canada to move to the U.S. 15 years ago, I was uh, the director of a national um, organiza organization. My job was to oversee the standards of treatment practice for all of Canada. And, um, and I loved it. And it was really exciting work. So that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your your journey with us, and um, I, mean, I think it it helps all of us to to kind of know uh, your background and and um, where you've where you've been. And so I appreciate that. 
Well, why don't we, as we get into the discussion of of how addiction and, and addiction treatment and recovery intersect with the Christian theme of grace, um, let's kind of go theological here for uh, a minute, and let's uh, let, let's talk about this subject of grace first and and foremost, because uh, this is a, a word and a concept that we use all the time as Christians, and if you hang around the church for any length of time, you're going to hear uh, people talking about God's grace, and yet uh, when we're pushed to to give a definition of grace, sometimes we uh, stutter and, and stammer a bit. So, uh, Leanne, can you help us to think about uh, how we as Christians understand God's grace? Sure. <clears throat> I think immediately when we hear the word grace, we think about the prayer we say before we eat eat our meal. <laughs> mm, yes. And uh, I guess that has something to do with it. But, but in actuality, grace appears throughout the Old Testament. And the Hebrew word for grace that's used in the Hebrew scriptures really means um, favor or delight, and specifically the giving of a gift to someone whom the, the giver is delighted with. And in response, the gift itself causes delight on, on the part of the recipient. Um, a much easier way of saying that is grace. But that's really where the concept, the biblical concept of grace, that, that's where it's rooted in this idea of being delighted with or uh, favoring and um, being motivated by that delight to be generous to someone whether or not they deserve it, that's also a, a key part of this construct. And then um, seeing how that gift causes delight in, in the recipient. There are a lot of examples of this in the Old Testament. And also in the New Testament, um, the word uh, in the New Testament is, is the Greek word charis, and it literally means gracious gift. Uh, John describes Jesus as God's glorious charis become human. And Jesus is sent into this broken world to do for us what we can't possibly do for ourselves. Yet God delights in offering this gift. And in the passage from Ephesians that I'm going to read in a minute, um, it's a pretty accurate description of the process that moves us from broken to whole by the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's important to point out that God, when we don't experience God's grace, it's not because God is withholding it from us, waiting for us to say just the right words and then, you know, making his God's grace available to us. That's not the case. God is gracious by nature. This is who God is. And God delights in us, finds favor in us, no matter what we're up to. I, I know that God, I know now in retrospect that God delighted in me, even when I was in the depths of addiction, I was the problem. I wasn't recognizing that this gift was being extended to me and I didn't recognize just how precious it was. So in order for us to be delighted by God's gracious gift, we need to get out of our own way. And, and you know, mm -hmm. as Taylor Swift would put it, it's me. Yeah, 
<laughs> I'm the problem. Yes. It's me. <laughs> yes. We love a Taylor Swift um, reference on the Kindred Church podcast. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's it's the only line from a Taylor Swift song I know, but <laughs> that's why I know it because right. it applies in this instance so perfectly. Um, so yeah, that's that's what grace is. It's it's God delighting in us, not because we deserve it, but because of who God is. And extending yes. this precious gift of God's grace to us, it's available to everyone all the time. And all we have to do is get out of the way and say, hey, I'm, I'm what's standing between myself and this gift that God is extending and I need to move. Yeah, very well said, and and uh, a beautiful summary of of grace. And I just want to to underscore for our listeners a, a couple of, of points you made there that I think are are just so important and, and worth highlighting again. You know, when we think about uh, grace, as as you as you pointed out, I mean, it, it literally means a, a gift in its in its most simple translation. And a gift is always something that we give someone that we care about, someone that we love. You know, we don't give gifts to people that we don't care about. Um, you know, I'm I'm not giving a Christmas gift to your aunt's cousin's nephew, right? Because, I, you know, I don't even know them, right? I'm sure and if so, you knew him, you would. But. I probably, I'm sure, I'm sure he's a lovable, <laughs> lovable guy, and I would want to give him a gift. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm not really concerned about that, you know. And 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 so when we think about the the gift that God gives to us, um, it's it's not only a good thing that God gives us. But it's it's a sign of God's love and mm. God's care for us, and and as you've said, uh, that's uh, available to us all the time, and it's given to us uh, all of the time, simply because God is love, and God mm. created us in love, and there's nothing that we can do that will ever ever change that. Um, and mm. that's you know I was thinking about it before we started recording, Leanne, and it's I, I think part of the reason that we sometimes stutter and and stammer to to define God's grace as as Christians is because it's it is so all encompassing. I mean, it's all that God gives us is given in love, and right. um, so you know there are an infinite number of examples and instances of of what can count as um, as signs of God's grace. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for helping us to to wrap our our minds around that a little bit. Um, let's uh, continue the discussion by focusing on a, a passage of scripture here that will help us to think about grace, and then we'll we'll get into uh, more of of how this intersects with addiction and and recovery. Uh, but the passage that we've chosen uh, comes from Ephesians chapter two, verses one through ten. So, Leanne, can I get you to share this passage with us? Sure. At one time, you were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and your offenses against God. You used to live like people of this world. You followed the rule of a destructive spiritual power. This is the spirit of disobedience to God's will that is now at work in persons whose lives are characterized by disobedience. At one time, you were like those persons. All of you used to do whatever felt good and whatever you thought you wanted so that you were children headed for punishment, just like everyone else. However, God is rich in mercy. God brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. God did this because of the great love that God has for us. You are saved by God's grace. And God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus 
God did this to show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, uh, another passage written by the Apostle Paul, who we talked about in last week's episode. Our, our listeners will remember. Yes, and uh, as as in all of the the letter to the Ephesians, uh, there, there's just so much packed into this passage, and and so much that we could explore. But Leanne, for our our purposes today, uh, I would I would be curious to know from you. Uh, how do you see this passage relating to addiction and recovery? Well, you know, what stands out to me in this passage is we see the transition from a life lived in darkness to a, a life lived in light. It's a total 180 from verse 1 to verse 10. And in verse 5, we see that it's God's grace that has set us free and um as a recovering addict, I can tell you that there were uh, long periods of time in my life when I was maybe curious about God, but in no way did I believe that God was curious about me or that I deserved God's curiosity. And this passage reminds us that it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God and that God finds favor of us in us, even in our brokenness and our rebellion. And um, so I see this passage as, uh, you know, it's, it's speaking about our spiritual transition from death to life. But as a recovering addict, it sounds very much like the journey that I went on from addiction to where I am now in my recovery. So the parallels are, are pretty clear to me, and um, it gets me kind of excited. Yes, absolutely. Well, and as we were kind of talking before we started recording, um, that there's there's parallels I think for for everyone to find uh, in this in this transition by God's grace from darkness into light. And I think mm -hmm. darkness can take so many different forms for different ones of us in different seasons uh, of our lives, and and yet we all need the light of Christ. And um, I, I just find that so relatable. Uh, I'm I'm curiously in. Um, how would you draw the connection between grace, particularly as we we hear it uh, described in this passage? How would you draw the connection between grace and the the process of recovery? Right. I think first it would be helpful if I clarify the difference between abstinence and recovery. Um, mm -hmm. uh, abstinence means you just stop using whatever substance you've been addicted to, and um, if a person achieves a person who's been in an abusive relationship with a substance or a, or a behavior, if they're able to achieve abstinence, their life is going to get better. Um, but recovery refers to more than just abstinence. Um, addiction seems to take hold of a person because there are some things going on under the surface in that person's life that makes them vulnerable to the effect of drugs, alcohol, certain behaviors, uh, gambling, what have you. They're, they're particularly vulnerable to the effects of that. 
and so they, they come into this relationship with addictive substances a little bit broken. And they haven't been dealing with that brokenness. They, for whatever reason, no fault of their own, but they haven't been, been dealing with, with that brokenness. Well, then you begin to abuse substances and that creates a whole new set of problems. And so if a person achieves abstinence, they are not necessarily equipped to then deal with the problems that preceded their addiction and the problems that were caused during their addiction. And not dealing with those kinds of issues can make sustaining abstinence really challenging because you're still carrying the burden of these unresolved issues around with you. Whereas recovery refers to a process by which um, yeah, abstinence is important, but also there's a lot of emphasis on the, the problems that brought you into addiction and the problems that were created by your addiction. And, and I'm talking, I'm using a 12-step framework in this discussion, Daniel, and I know that it's not right for everyone. Uh, there are other options for recovery strategies, recovery programs, but 12-step is what I know the best, and so that's why I'm using it. Um, but, I, but I do understand and I agree that it's, it's not for everyone. But in the 12-step program, right away, people start looking inward at, you know, what part did I play in this and what damage have I caused as a result of this with the understanding that I'm not going to get better until I do this really hard work of unraveling, you know, the tangled mess of my life as it exists today, you know, day one of abstinence. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the difference between abstinence and recovery. Recovery is seen as a long process. And I, I, I sort of believe that it's a lifelong process because as I said, I keep finding new things <laughs> that, yes. that I need to apply these principles to. And well, if I can just I, interject there, if, uh, sure. if I can just interject for a moment, I, I think as you were describing the process of recovery, and that's a super helpful distinction between abstinence and recovery. I had never heard it described in, in that way. Um, but, but I, I just found myself thinking that, um, boy, we are, we are all in recovery from something, right. Mm -hmm. Or, or at least we all should be in recovery yeah. from, from something and probably many things. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that's, it's so relatable because, uh, whether we would name our uh, response behaviors to the pain or the trauma or the the issues that we have as whether we would name that as a, a, an addiction or not, we we all have these tendencies uh, to to deal with our our problems, our challenges uh, in ways that that um, mask those those issues or, or problems uh, that don't actually deal with them or, or get to the root Absolutely. cause of them. I mean, we live yeah. in a culture that is so full of, of various kinds of distractions and, uh, you know, self-medication options. Mm -hmm. uh, again, some of them that we might label as addiction in the, the traditional sense and, and others that, that may not fall into that same category, but nevertheless, the the behavior and, and our responses uh, tend to be similar. And so I think this this concept of recovery that you've just described is an important one for all of us to yes. embrace. And certainly on the, on the Christian journey, you know, this is something that I think that we're that we're called to. 
uh, an mm-hmm. approach to life and, and mm-hmm. dealing with our brokenness. Yeah. And just as, you know, attending your first AA meeting or, you know, recovery support group meeting, your recovery begins there. But, you know, the end date is somewhere. I, I think, it, as I said, I think, I think we're recovering forever. And it's similar to our spiritual life, right? When we have this realization, hey, I'm the problem. Um, and we open ourselves up to receiving God's grace into our lives. That's the beginning. It's, it's not the end. And so the spiritual journey becomes a lifelong journey of, you know, refining our nature and opening more and more of ourselves up to um, God's healing grace and, you know, becoming more and more Christ-like in our interactions with everybody. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I, again, I see the parallels that this is a, a, both an event and a process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you were describing that, I'm thinking there have been theologians throughout church history that have, um, you know, imagined what, what is life going to be like even in eternity with, with God. And, and there's this concept that even in eternity, after all is, is made well and all is made right, uh, by God in the end, that there will still be this journey. There will still be this this perpetual motion deeper and deeper mm-hmm. uh, into the heart of God and that God will continue to to work on us and uh, work in us. And, and uh, you know, I just, I think that image of of the journey um, is uh, is just so helpful and, and enlightening. I love that. I've never heard that before. And I love it because I have found the journey of recovery and the journey of spiritual growth to be such a beautiful thing. At times it's terrifying, um, but it ultimately, if we just keep going in, in that direction, it, it takes on an unimaginable beauty. And so I'm kind of excited that this, this continues for eternity. That yeah, I think it's, I think that it's doesn't scare cool. me at all. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like it's it's kind of cliche, but I think it's it's true. You know, we're we're often encouraged to focus on the journey, not the destination. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, certainly uh, we we want to focus on God, who is our ultimate destination. But the the journey of growth that we go through, the the journey of recovery from all the various things, yeah, uh, is uh, yeah. is is important and and joyful. I mean, it can certainly be painful at times, and we don't want to mask over that, but. Yeah. Um, but the the joys of growing and changing and the the hope that comes with a new step in our various forms of recovery is um is just an, an amazing thing to experience yeah. and by God's grace we we do get to experience those, do, those yeah. transformations yeah. yeah I just want to share with you um one of one uh one of the books I've read over the years that had a huge impact on me and really sort of solidified this idea of recovery and grace is a book by Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About Grace. And in it, he writes about, he was affiliated with a with a church in Chicago at one time, and it was right in downtown Chicago. And, and the church uh, made its basement space available to 12-step groups. And uh, Philip Yancey writes about how um, in the 12-step world, there are open groups and there are closed groups and open groups are available to anybody. Anybody can walk in, sit down and listen. Um, Closed groups are are different. But every once in a while, if he was still in the building and it was an open 
meeting night, he would go down and sit in the back row and just observe what was happening. And he was deeply, deeply moved about what he witnessed in those 12-step meetings. And, you know, he said people walk in and, you know, they, they've got problems. Um, they're hanging on to their abstinence by the, you know, skin of their teeth. And as soon as they walk in, they get a hug and uh, a cup of coffee and a donut. And they're, you know, hey, go sit down glad you're here. Um, and there's a part in every 12-step meeting, hands down my favorite part, where they give out the poker chips. Um, they're color-coded and, and they represent how long you've been sober. And the white chip is the newcomer chip. So if this is your first day of abstinence and this is your first 12-step meeting, you go up and you get a white chip. And the same is true is if you've been in recovery, but you've relapsed and you're coming back and you're starting again, you're going to try again. Well, you also get the white chip. And Philip Yancey was, was struck by the fact that um, when the white chips are given out, um, the, the applause is just deafening, watching people go up and get their white chip some for the first time, some for the 10th time, 20th time. And um, so people clap for them. And after the meeting, they hug them and they give them their phone number and they invite them to, you know, a sober social event. And they ask them, hey, do you want to sign up to, to do service for the group? Do you want to like make the coffee next week? And immediately this person, whether it's their first day of sobriety or they're trying again for the umpteenth time, they are told and shown in every possible way, you are loved, you are valued, you belong here. Doesn't matter what happened before, you're here and we're celebrating that. And, uh, you know. Philip Yancey describes, he said, I swear there was more grace going on in the basement of our church than there was in the sanctuary. Mm. And, um, and I was really touched by that description of grace at work in 12-step meetings. Uh, and I think that's reading that and some other books that have had a, a big impact on me uh, is what really allowed me to make the connection between recovery and grace and grace in a very biblical spiritual sense um mm -hmm. yeah we, as you were we saying that this... lane if i could if i could jump in um, sure you know that that story of the white chips and the the joy um the uh almost unexpected perhaps to an outsider at least an unexpected joy about the the white chips and that that first step of of recovery it got me thinking about um in in scripture in luke chapter 15 jesus tells a, a series of parables 
uh, about folks or, or, you know, he tells the parable about things uh, that have been lost that are, that are found that are recovered. And, you know, he talks mm-hmm. about the, the sh- one sheep out of a hundred that gets right. lost and the, the shepherd goes and gets the, the one sheep and, and the woman who lost her coin and her she coin. turns up her yeah. house upside down and gets the lost coin. And then he, he ends it with the famous uh, parable of the prodigal son, the, the mm-hmm. son whose beloved is lost and then is, is found again. And Jesus ends that string of three parables by saying there's more joy in heaven mm-hmm. over one repentant sinner than than one righteous person. And, um, you know, it, it just to me that that seems like such a nice illustration of, of that very same grace that there's mm-hmm. in the heart of God that this disproportionate joy um, about about those moments of, of turning and those even those early, yeah. early initial steps in in the recovery that all of us uh, need to go through. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. I cut you off there though. What were you, what were you? No, uh, that's okay. I I forgot what I was going to say, but I'm glad you did cut me off. I I guess, you know, just to conclude, I know we see it in, in our faith communities and, and, and I can assure you, we see it in 12 step programs that to be on the receiving end of grace is extremely healing and to be demonstrated, to have the kind of acceptance, unconditional acceptance, um, joy. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, It wouldn't have been the same without you. Um, To be on the receiving end of grace creates a momentum uh, that, that allows people to experience gratitude and, you know, to, to, develop an, an authentic sense of humility and um, you know it, it grace allows us to foster genuine connections with with people all of that is is very healing and it is essential I believe in allowing us to become the people we were created to be whether we're talking about a person who is in in recovery from an addiction or a person who is, exploring, uh, you know, what it might be like to have a relationship with God through Jesus. We become the people we were created to be, I believe, when we are surrounded by grace. It's an essential component of what allows us to proceed from where we began to where we're going. And so uh, I am so excited that I see, I experience grace in kindred church in in abundance that's definitely one of the things that makes it so precious to me i have been on the receiving end of healing grace in the 12 step world and it's had an amazing powerful impact on my life and the changes that i've been able to make and i experienced the same thing at kindred church and that is good news for everyone who is a part of Kindred Church. That's very good news for anyone who's thinking of checking out Kindred Church because uh, it's it's truly life-changing. 
Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I've experienced the the same thing. And it's, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of our, our church mm-hmm. about. And, you know, I'm sure we've, we've got room to grow and, and there are others who may have not have had the same experience that we have, but I do see this, this sense of, of authenticity and a healthy sense of vulnerability that runs throughout our, our church's community, which I think is, is wonderful. And that's one thing I was going to bring up is that uh, one of the things that I've admired so deeply in the friends I've had who, who've been in recovery is is that sense of humility and authenticity and just um you know th- th- there's this this sense of of just no bs you know um i don't mm-hmm. know if we have children listening to the kindred church podcast so i'll abbreviate but there's just there's no pretension mm-hmm. and uh and, and i think that's something that the church at large can learn from folks in recovery that is yeah. just so important i mean you know i i look at the example of jesus and he was drawn to people who knew how to not be pretentious. You know, they yeah. didn't have it all together necessarily. Um, but but one thing that Jesus couldn't stand was mm-hmm. pretension and inauthenticity. Right. He was repelled by it, you know. And and um, I mean, I think about him criticizing the religious leaders of the day and saying that the tax collectors and the prostitutes and they're all getting into the kingdom of God before before you all. Uh, why is that? It's not because they have it all together because their choices in life are all commendable. It's it's because that they have this sense of authenticity and you know in many cases that they know they need help, they know they need recovery and and mm-hmm. they're not putting up a front or or being shy about that. Uh, and I yeah. think Jesus sees that in us and says, "Hey, I can work with that." Right. Because inauthenticity and pretense is what stands between us and God's grace, right? It's really hard to say it's me. Yeah, I'm the problem. It's me. When you are um, making such an effort to distance yourself from that reality, right? We, 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 we put up masks, we put up barriers, because we don't want to see who we truly are and have to swallow that pill that this isn't anybody else's doing. This is my doing. And, you know, sometimes people resist that because they're like, yeah, that's, I'm being very hard on myself when I do that. And I'm like, it leads to freedom. (laughs) You know, you will feel better about yourself than you have ever felt once you cross that threshold of saying, you know, I'm, I'm powerless and my life has become unmanageable and I want to live differently. Yes. And and I think one of the, one of the places where this again intersects with the Christian faith is that as, as Christians, uh, one of our core convictions is, uh, or certainly should be that God's love is unconditional and Mm -hmm. God's grace is unconditional. That's what makes it grace. And that, as you, as you pointed out earlier in the conversation, that's what gives us the freedom to say, I don't have it all together. I am powerless yeah. and and it's okay because I'm regardless of what happens, I am surrounded by the loving arms of of Jesus. That's right. And that will that's never right. change. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Everything about this is so beautiful and so countercultural. And um, I mean, it it excites me all the time when I think about uh you know, recovery and grace and how they intersect and uh, and how this is good news for everybody. You don't have to be, you don't have to have been an addict. <laughs> this is really good news. You don't have to have been an addict to experience all of the beauty that God's grace has for all of us. 
Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Well, let me add, uh, we, we hadn't planned on this, Leanne, so I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I can imagine that there may be some folks listening to this who, through the course of this conversation, or maybe prior to their coming to this conversation, uh, feel that that nudge of, okay, I, I have something that I need to recover from. Um, what advice would, would you have? And, and maybe we can kind of wrap up with this. What advice would you have for that person who uh, who, who feels like, Wow, I I may be called or I may be nudged or it may be important that I t- take a new step toward recovery or or in my recovery. Right. Yeah. Well, I I would be begin by saying you're not alone and you don't have to do it alone. And if it would be of value uh, for someone listening to reach out to me, I'm always open to that. This is what I love, and I. I, I am very blessed to be on, be invited to be a part of someone's uh, journey of recovery, even if it's just to help them with the initial first steps. So that's, uh, that's always an option. And you can reach out to Kindred Church to find out how to reach out to me. Yes, we'll connect but, you. Yeah. But, but you, don't, you don't have to do it alone. Uh, somebody else, I guarantee you, has walked the same path that you're walking, and they can uh, support you through whatever steps you need to take in order to find the help that you need. A lot of people, uh, you know, all they need to do is find a support group, and and that becomes their primary um, recovery support. Some people benefit from treatment you know, going to a structured program for a period of time and then following that up with some sort of recovery support that's ongoing. Um, but it, it's it's scary and um, perhaps you're feeling like, yeah, I've tried before and I failed. Um, it, it takes what it takes and uh, recovery is available for everyone. It sometimes it, it you know, there are a lot of bumps on the road, but as we say in 12 step group, in 12 step groups, keep coming back. It works if you work it. And, uh, so I would encourage anyone listening who's, who's wondering about that to find some support, reach out to someone you can trust who's knowledgeable and, and is, is going to be available to help you figure out what do I do next? That's that's great advice and great words of wisdom. And and uh, I would just add in, in closing that, yeah, to reiterate, you know, if, if the Kindred Church community can be a helpful part of that recovery for anybody who's recovering from anything, you know, that's that's why our doors are open. And uh, we would love to, to have you come and be part of our community. Um, all right. Well, uh, just a couple of quick reminders here in closing. This has been a beautiful conversation, but don't forget that we have our launch of worship at Lions Farm Elementary, our new location on December the 3rd. You can get on our website and find out more details about that and get the address and everything. Uh, you can check out the newsletter for updates and information about that and other things that we've got going on in this season. Just click the newsletter button in the podcast description, and that will uh, give you all the information that you need. And so uh, Leanne, again, thank you so much for being a, a part of this conversation and, and sharing these uh, wonderful nuggets of, of wisdom for us. I wonder if you would close us in a, a prayer. I'd love to. Hmm. Gracious, gracious God, we are so blessed to be in relationship with you. We're so blessed to 
be on the receiving end of your gifts of love and acceptance and wholeness. Lord, I pray that if anyone who's listening to this is wanting to know more about what that might look like for them, that they will have the courage to reach out. I pray, Lord, that um, as we continue to journey as Kindred Church, that we will always be mindful of what grace in action looks like so that we can uh, be um, living witnesses to what your grace has done in, in our lives and share that with everyone who walks through the door. Lord, we're so uh, grateful for this faith community, for um, all of the new opportunities that you are presenting to us. Help us to be faithful, help us to be hopeful, and uh, help us, Lord, every day to be consciously aware of what it means to be on the receiving end of your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time.